As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. You're listening to C103's Cork Today podcast. Phone and text lines are currently closed. As we welcome you along to the programme, my thanks to uh, John Paul and uh, Bernie for covering the show while I was away. And it is, I'm in the lucky position of my job that I never dread coming back to work after what was a lovely, lovely break. It was just great to get away and feel a little bit of sun on the bones. It was uh, terrific. So thanks to John Paul and uh, for Bernie for covering the show uh, while I was away. John Paul back now answering your calls this morning at 0818103103. But what I thought was interesting when I was away, we had to fly out of Dublin Airport because uh, the destination unfortunately wasn't out of Cork. So that meant that we had to go through eFlow tolls. So what I had done before I left was I paid the toll going up and I paid for the toll coming back so that I didn't have to have any stress of remembering to pay it. So I had done it the week before we uh, we travelled and I was barely 24 hours in Spain when I got my first scam text and I knew immediately it was a scam from eFlow saying you haven't paid your charges and to visit blah 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 and if you don't pay additional fines will be sent. I completely ignored it because I knew I had paid and I knew I'd even my receipts so I just and I was smiling to myself saying did they somehow know that I had gone through eFlow? Couldn't work out why I was getting it. The day after that I got another one saying that they were updating the system and I needed to update my account. I don't by the way have an account with eFlow. I don't travel that much to and from Dublin so when I do go I just pay the tolls either on the day or as I did in this case I paid it in advance and then two days later I got another one saying you haven't paid your charges additional fines are going to be sent and the day after I got uh, another one all while I I was away so I don't know and I have heard from other listeners who have told similar stories of travelling through the eFlow toll had paid their toll but yet they got these scam texts I'm wondering is there some way is it your phone is picking it up I don't know but the only thing I can say is like I had my phone with me and my husband had his phone uh, with him it was my car we used he he drove but it was my car we were using so I don't know is it are they somehow picking up that it was my car went through eFlow I don't know how these scam artists works or if it was just all a complete coincidence but I got the four texts, scam texts, while my husband didn't. So I, I I don't know. But it's just, you can see how easily, though, you would get caught out if I hadn't paid 
the tolls in advance and suddenly a day later you're getting this reminder to say you haven't paid, you need to pay, which by the way eFlow don't do. They don't pick up on your car registration and send you out a message to say you haven't paid it. But you could easily, I can see how people have got caught in the past by clicking on the link, going through everything they ask you to do, paying what is, you know, couple of euro or whatever it is to go through the uh, toll uh, and of course then what happens is your bank account can be stripped of a lot of money so just be careful those scam eflow texts are certainly uh, out and about 0818 103 103 going through the papers uh, this morning if you haven't or didn't hear enough about Jerry the monk Hutch being found non-guilty by the non-jury court for uh, the what the very high profile murder of David Byrne if you didn't hear enough of it on the news yesterday it is all over the papers uh, today there literally are pages and pages and pages huge interest by the media in this particular case and needless to say all of the papers are running with front page photographs of Jerry the Monk at Hutch with his extremely long hair and beard it looks like he didn't cut his hair or shave for the duration of the time he was in uh, prison I, I don't know why that would be the uh, case but of course as he came out out of the steps of the courthouse he was pursued by what's been described as the biggest scrum of media personnel that's ever assembled outside that building since it first opened 13 years ago. There was photographers, there was television uh, crews, everybody trying to catch the image of the man who's known, I suppose, to the media and to most most of us as the monk. And of course, reporters then running down the street after after him, asking a barrage of questions. But Conor Lally, the crime and security editor in The Times, uh, describes uh, Gerard the Monk Hutch as maintaining a monastic-like silence as he walked briskly away. But, you know, questions were being shouted at at him, how he felt with being freed. Had he anything to say to his one-time friend, the former Sinn Féin councillor, Jonathan Dowdle, who, of course, gave evidence against him? Uh, What was his response to the Special Criminal Court's finding that his family were responsible for the Regency Hotel attack? And what were his plans now? Now, a lot of the papers are speculation that he'll get on the first plane out of the country and that he will head for uh, Spain where of course he had been living where he was uh, uh, arrested and extradited back to Ireland and he's been in prison since then and of course yesterday uh, found not guilty and walked free and then of course the Sinn Féin leader Mary Lou MacDonald has been very much dragged into this uh, case and she has come out publicly and said she never met and never received money from Gerard uh, Hutch and she's also also hit out at what she describes as false and deeply offensive comments that were made about her during this murder trial. She says, and I quote, the records show that I have stood resolutely on the side of the community in the fight against criminal gangs, drug dealers and antisocial elements. And I'll continue to do so, she said in a statement yesterday. And then in relation to the former Sinn Féin councillor, Jonathan Dowdall, of course, he's currently serving a four year sentence for facilitating the murder of David Byrne at the Regency Hotel. Mary Lou said he would never have been next nigh or near her party had she known for a second what she knows now about him. Mary Lou declined to answer whether or not the party would hand over to charity the €1,000 donation which had been made to Sinn Féin by Jonathan Dowdle. That was back in 2011. And of course it was during the trial there was tapes that had been recorded by the Gardaí 
they had bugged a car belonging to Gerard Dowdle and they, they played out those tapes and on those tapes there was comments made by Jonathan Dowdle in which he claimed that the Sinn Féin leader Mary Lou MacDonald had used the Hutch family for money and for votes but in her statement Mary Lou said in relation to false and deeply offensive comments made about me during the course of the trial I want to set out the facts I never ever met Gerard Hutch and she also went on to say that she's never received money or electrical electoral support from uh, Gerard Hutch and of course uh, during the trial itself Jonathan Dowdell said he regretted his unfair comments about uh, Mary Lou so to say if you've got an interest in this case there are pages and pages written about it in today's papers those scam texts that I said I got having driven to Dublin and gone through the told uh, roads lots of people uh, texting in saying uh, similar happened to them uh, Margaret uh, in Tallow says Patricia it's your phone it's the location button and I did have the location button on on my phone as you think about it because I was monitoring to see was there any traffic delays on the way to the airport so yeah I did have my uh, location on and Margaret said hope you uh, and your uh, your husband and your lovely daughter Margaret had a lovely break we did uh, thank you very much Hi says another listener I don't even drive a car and I got a few of those scam texts lately laughable but then I know somebody who travels that road also and was caught out by that scam will they ever give up you see that is the problem that is the huge huge problem with this is the way they target you when you've just been on the road and therefore you think oh my goodness um, you know did I not pay or did the payment not go through that's why as they say I did it the week before and I actually had the receipt from eFlow so I knew my payment had uh, gone through and Jackie says Hi Patricia I got one of those very same texts on Sunday night I haven't been anywhere near the M50 in months but it did put me thinking for a while maybe I hadn't paid the toll but I'm taking my chances that it's a scam especially when it was sent from a mobile phone yeah, and uh, Jackie has sent down a picture of it it's the exact same one that I got uh, it is absolutely a scam you you do not owe uh, anything to eFlow and I think if you don't pay it's by post those letters uh, come they don't send out a text message uh, to you unless maybe you had um, some account with them that you had a mobile phone assigned to to be contacted by them but uh, generally speaking it's a letter so no uh, Jackie and McCroom you don't owe them any money but there's a lot of those uh, texts doing the rounds at the moment you just need to be extremely careful Email Patricia now with your story or comment Cork today at c103.ie Cork today on C103. Now, the Rural Independent TDs are putting forward an amendment to legislation in an effort to keep the lower rate of duty on fuels. The group are strongly opposed to the government's plans to phase out the current reduced excise duty on petrol and on diesel. And Deputy Michael Collins joins me with more on this. Good morning to you, Michael. Good morning, Patricia. Um, you're welcome to the programme. Now, we, we've all seen a reduction at the pumps uh, for fuel, but I mean, isn't it fair to say that our petrol and diesel prices are still very expensive? Absolutely. And, you know, the reduction is, is very welcome. Uh, as, as you said, you know, it went up to over two euros a litre there, um, there last year. And thankfully, it's down to one, maybe 159, 58, 57 for some people on the diesel side of it. But um, Patricia, on June the first, unfortunately, the government have decided they're um, they're going to phase out the reduction of the excise rates on petrol and diesel. On June the first, the petrol is going to go up six cents, diesel is going to go up five cents. On September, it's going to go up. Uh, petrol is going to go up seven cents, and diesel 
uh, for instance, in October, uh, between uh, carbon tax and, and the, the dropping of the reduced excise rate, it's going to go up eight cents and diesel go up six cents. So that's just an astonishing rise. We'll see on diesel only up to maybe 18 cents if it includes the VAT. Uh, per litre, so they're kicking back into the into the crisis that we had last year, and you know we've moved ourselves out of that, and 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 that's very thankful for the mother and the father and and, and the farmer and the, the haulier and the bus operators, but they had that bit of a relief, but the things that the government now are going to squeeze them uh, back into a crisis situation again is 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 non acceptable, and that's why we're putting forward. And, and how, how much do you expect the exchequer to make out of this? The exchequer is going to, I think, an additional amount of about seven hundred million. Um, it's going to add to, to what they're getting already, which is three point seven five billion in energy taxes. Um, and it's just a, you know, and I said this in the doll myself a couple of weeks ago. It looks to me as if you want to hit the uh, the, the motorist, which unfortunately in rural Ireland we have no choice but to use the vehicle and the car or the, or, or the person for to do their business, to, to deliver their goods, or farming, or to drive, the, drive their tractor, we have to use either diesel or petrol. And it looks to me as if, you know, I, I, if the government have uh, want to hand out a lot of grants here and there, up around Dublin, at the huge expense of the people of rural Ireland, because we certainly are in a situation, uh, Patricia, where we do not have a proper or any type bus service you know, in the peninsula, I live, the bus leaves at seven in the morning. It doesn't come back until five or six in the evening. Um, and, and uh, you know, places like St. Manway to Clannacity, there's no proper or any type of bus service. I can just name out so many places yeah. that we've been calling for a number of years to try and make some improvements to try, you know, you don't expect to get every hour on the hour. We don't expect that, but we certainly expect two or three services a day. And then maybe you can apply these charges. But unfortunately... There's a greedy, greedy grab here by government to make sure that they can get as much money as they can to build and, and create better infrastructure in, in, in urban Ireland. Well, well, what I, what, I think what I find most galling about this, if it was a case that as a country we were really struggling and they needed to make extra money for the exchequer, you'd say, oh, look, we're just going to have to suck it up. Everybody has to pay. Everyone has to do their bit. But I mean, I'm reading today that the government is likely to uh, have a surplus this year. Some are suggesting could be as high as €8 billion. Euro. So, we, you know, they're awash with money. Why? It, it does look like a grab on motorists. It certainly is. And it's, it's, it's to inflict further pain on the motorists. And it's trying to send a message. And that, as I said, that's fine if the message is sent if the transport is there. If you want to send a message, send it in Dublin City where you have every maybe five minutes as a transport service of some sort or maybe even more than that. But in rural Ireland, we don't have the facilities, we don't have public transport, and they're continuing to take. And to rural Ireland, this is where the money is going to come from, uh, from this. Like, and so they don't need the taxes, uh, unfortunately, in this situation. But it seems to me as if they're forgotten about the ordinary families who are struggling and still struggling very much. And what this is going to do, Patricia, is going to raise the price of food. It's going to, because obviously, yeah, you know, the lorry operator that's going in out of the towns that's struggling to to fill his tank, his lorry diesel, that has to be passed on somewhere. Such as, our, not alone are we going to be hitting the pocket with the filling station, we're going to be hitting the pocket when we go into the shop and pay extra money for our, our, our bottle of milk or our loaf of bread or whatever. You know, so there's a very, very unfair situation here. And this is, you know, the, this whole situation is replicated by a green policy. And, you know, I'm not against change, certainly not against change, but it shouldn't come 
at the at the at the people of rural Ireland suffering. And I was with a farm in Fernandes the other day, not even my own constituency, but I was asked by the farm organisations to attend a uh, listening to a farmer there, a farmer with young, uh, four or five young children uh, and his wife, and they, he had 71 cows. And if the nitrate directives come in that the Finnegan and the Green government are pushing and going ahead with, He's going to have. He's going to be wiped out. He's, he's going to be finished. He's seventy-one cows. He may have to drop the maybe fifty-five, sixty cows. It's an astonishing attack on on people trying to make an honest living. If you saw the the way, the meticulous way he's carrying out his farming, the it is commendable throughout the country. And we're being, you know, between I think we're being treated like a farmer or, or the country, the people who are around are being treated like environmental terrorists. We're not. Yeah, and we do we do already have some of the highest rates of tax on energy in this country. We have and 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 that's the point we're making with our amendment that this is already we're already paying and we're paying the highest prices for fuel already, probably uh, nearly throughout the world. So it is nothing, nothing short of a of a, a, a greedy grab so they can add to their glorifying story of how we can put on an extra and a beautiful service and give more free public transport service throughout the country. And all that's beautiful, but it's coming at a huge, huge price for people to roll around. And it's, they're, they're cross and they're bitter and they're angry, because why can't we have the services like others have? And why should we be fined and, and, and basically crucified on the basis of, of a government that's hell-bent on providing the best services for everybody in urban Ireland and the more and, and, and no services or little services for the people of rural Ireland. OK, t- t- explain to me then the amendment from your the rural group, the independent group. What exactly are you proposing? Well, at this stage, what we want to do is our amendment is, is, is very, very clear that uh, they will not phase out the reduced excise rates on petrol and diesel, and that there'll be no carbon tax applied uh, over the next uh, over the next number of years. Because uh, if they do, and I, as I said to you a while ago, it'll be eighteen cents the diesel if they if they decide that they're going to phase out the reduced excess, excise duty and add the carbon tax. That's eighteen cents onto the litre of diesel. Uh, between here and next October. That's an astonishing rise, an astonishing rise. When it's not uh, a rise we were blaming Putin and the world last year, um, this year it's our own government. So it's going to take maybe diesel up to one, close to one, you know, 180 uh, a litre. Uh, and that's an astonishing attack on the on the, on the waters, on the run around. But we're, we're, we're at putting that, that amendment uh, forward. We certainly will be taking this to a vote. Um, to, to give the opportunity to the Finnegan TDs, Finnegan TDs uh, out there to support us, uh, not to attack the people of rural Ireland in the future and not to attack the Ardley farmer or the lorry or the hauler or the bus owner. They can't afford this rise, Patricia. Okay. And we have to, somebody must stand by them and that's what we're doing. Okay, here. just on, on a couple of other things while I have you on the line. Reading in the papers uh, today that patients who avail of the HSC's treatment abroad scheme, some have been driven into debt. Uh, this is a report out from the Ombudsman. Now, obviously, you work very closely with people on the Belfast or Blind uh, bus. Have any of the people who've travelled with you had difficulties getting the reimbursement of their money? Yes, they have, and it's becoming more and more difficult. And we're trying to negotiate with uh, the HSE. Uh, you know, a new a new thing that happened recently, which I think is very, very unfair, and I think we might find a way around it. Is we'll just say a daughter pays for her mother or father, and the daughter's married. They want to see a proof that it came out of the mother or the father's account, but they may have given it. You know, they might have had a bit of cash to them, or they might have been, gave it, paid it some other way, yeah. and they're claiming that that's 
you see, I, I think what's happened here, Patricia, and just what I, I can gather, I, I, I'm not trying to favour the issue of the English one, but people not going to the north, because there's a lot of people going to the north, not under our scheme, but under other areas as well. But there's people going abroad, and apparently there's a bit of skullduggery going on, there's a bit of, uh, op- maybe operations never took place, and people are signing papers, and so they've become meticulously careful that money has come out of a person's account. That's just one area. Okay. Um, but I think they've been found out to be over uh, meticulous and over uh, stringent. And I yeah, think like, and like w- one of the examples that the Ombudsman uh, used was a GP who hadn't signed the letter of referral. He'd emailed it to the hospital in Northern Ireland uh, instead. But then when he he did send on the signed letter, a subsequent uh, amended referral letter. That wasn't accepted. That is unfortunately the situation. I, when we uh, are in contact with people, we're very, very uh, strict on telling them that they have to have a referral letter with their own doctor, with me on it, and doc, the, the surgeon in the north. And we, we make sure they get it. And it's even something I, I mentioned to, every, to everyone before they leave uh, in Cork in the morning. Have you got a letter? That has the doctor, the surgeon's name in the north, and the address of the surgeon in the north, and your own doctor's name. And a lot of them go scrambling just to make sure. And you know, maybe we could rectify that day because we could get contact with the doctor and get it all sorted. But it's it's it, it is there is regulations there are a bit strict, a bit harsh. But I think maybe between you know that there might be some movement to to clarify some of them. But I think it's more based on people. Uh, uh, trying to corrupt the system going abroad yeah, then unfortunately, going to the north. Yeah, unfortunately you'll always have the few but for everybody else then the I's have to be dotted the, D, the T's have yeah. to be crossed and I know uh, the Ombudsman said that, like, that the HSE website needs updating and that it has several incidents of vague and inaccurate information so the HSE need to do everything to make it as, uh, as easy as possible and on a good news story I, I was away last week but I, I was keeping an eye on things online that little Ukrainian boy that I spoke to you about who arrived in West Cork last March needing cancer treatment um, Leonid he's been given the all clear he has oh. uh, thankfully and you know that, that's in fairness to the, it, it, we can praise the HSE in, in this line in fairness they were very good to him and he was been to, and his parents have spent a lengthy period of time in, in Dublin I met him um, and, and in fairness you know the, the the way he was being looked after was uh, second to none and I think the parents were very very uh, grateful for the way he was being looked after and thankfully he has you know he was so strong and, and happy to be here and happy to be home and uh, so my, oh, another thing too Patricia people uh, gave me a whole lot of gifts for him and, and yeah you know, people were very kind yeah uh, they were very kind yeah and, they and, were and, and thankfully he's he's, he's his health has, has turned the corner in the right direction. Obviously, yeah. he has to be monitored. And there's a, forward, but look, there's very good a, a, little, a little life saved. And very finally, Thankfully. I've got Brendan Piper on next on his struggle with the council over the staging of the fun fair in Kinsale. Are you across that story? I am well aware of that story. I was down in uh, Kinsale on, on, on Sunday, uh, Patricia, to support uh, Brendan. Uh, in fairness, uh, you know, it's David versus Goliath here. You know, Brendan is trying to fight his corner uh, to put, put put his business back in town. It looks to me as if uh, people can sail uh, want uh, Brendan and his and his funfair back. I just can't understand the goalposts keep changing when Brendan is dealing with the council. So they seem to give him some green light uh, last year, which everything was great. Took a, and that took a lengthy period of time and after a process. And now there's another uh, situation where. They're looking for a bond of sixty thousand, which apparently has been reduced to thirty thousand. I, I think, in fairness, there's an issue there. This, uh, and I made that very clear, and I'm pointing the finger at anyone in one way, but in another way, people have to wake up here. There's six uh, councillors in that municipal district. I'm pleading with them to go, go around the table with Brendan 
didn't trash it out with the Cork County Council and bring a solution to this so that pipers could back the, bring back their fun fair to Kinsale. That's what the people wanted. They've had two protests over it. Brendan is a very genuine man uh, and, and with his dad and everything, have worked there for decades and decades down in Kinsale. And when I go down to Kinsale, people are asking me, what's wrong? Why is it got up and running again? I just can't see why the council are putting more uh, hurdles and more hurdles in front of uh, this man to try and uh, get his business up and running. He has an insurance policy. Surely that's good enough. If there's any problems or any bit of damage after his insurance will cover all these things. And surely that's good enough to get the man up and running again. And I certainly yeah. would support and, and continue and to support. So many people have wonderful childhood memories of themselves attending the Marys uh, and then, you know, years later bringing their own children and bringing their own grandchildren. And it's very much part of the summer. And anyone who's ever gone to Kinsale in the summer, the Marys, if you have any children with you, it was all about the fun fair. It has, and, and they've done no wrong here. That's the This is the whole situation. And, you know, position is nine-tenths of the law, people said. And I think maybe the very first day they were asked to move, they'd write to stay there. And I would have been doing something wrong then, according yeah. to the public, but instead they'd done everything yeah, by they the did. book. Yeah, they did. Tried to tick everybody's, every every box, and unfortunately, you know, they're being punished by it. And I, uh, to be honest with you, something stinks here to the high heavens, and somebody's got to answer questions here as to who, who the hell is trying to keep... Uh, Brendan and the Piper's Funfair out of Kinsale because someone is and that's the bottom line here and that's the way I see it We'll be talking with uh, Brendan next but in the meantime Michael thank you for that and thanks for joining us on the programme Good morning to you that is uh, West Cork Independent uh, Doll Deputy uh, Michael Collin now, as we've uh, just been speaking with uh, Deputy Michael Collins, and we mentioned the Kinsale's historic fun fair, which has been an annual fixture in the town for almost 90 years, is in danger of never returning to the town. And this is due to Cork County Council requiring a bond to be paid in advance of the fun fair going ahead. Many people are unhappy about this. Hundreds turned out last Sunday in Kinsale to show their support for the Piper family. And uh, Brendan Piper uh, joins me to outline exactly what is going on. Good morning to you, Brendan. Good morning, Patricia. How are you? Thanks for having me. Well, and it's great to have you back on the programme. Now, because of COVID, of course, the fun fair didn't happen uh, for the last number of years. But are you and were you all set and ready for this year's season? Yep, I was sitting ready up to two weeks ago, Patricia, um, with all our machine service. I have the, our, inge- our um, engineers stand by for the, when we build it up to inspect it. And we have the um, insurance all ready to go, public liability, employees liability, ready to go. And I was told then uh, they the, they're looking for a bond from the council. Yes, yes, you can go in. Uh, but we're looking for a bond of 60000 at the time. But that, since then, that's been dropped to uh, 30000 Has the council ever asked you for a bond before? Never, never, no. Since 1939, going into that park, no, we've been... Every year you apply for the the rent of the park, and what we do, we pay a rent. Yeah, you do pay. It yeah, it yeah. isn't it isn't free use of the park. You you no. you, you do pay rent. We do. Now, okay. the the council will say that the town car park was recently uh, resurfaced. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, is there a danger that some of your rides could cause damage to that resurface? Yeah, well, I would have offered Patricia, and I've sent this in writing to the council. I'm offered to take out three three of our rides that I had to stay. Um, Swinging boats would take about 18 stakes. The giant slides would take 12 stakes. And then another carousel that takes eight stakes into the ground. I wouldn't to take them out. I was willing also, I told them I'd put all my rides on heavy-duty plastic with a bumper car there. She's 80 foot by 40 foot wide. And I'm willing for all the steel that's underneath her to build, to 
built it on top of um, heavy-duty plastic, and that's also with the Formula ride. That's a big ride. All my other rides are going to be built on top of that also. And I put to them, I'll get a solicitor's letter from our solicitor statement. If there's any damage, I will put right before we leave the um, the fun fair. And then I said I'll also get a surveyor offered to come in to survey the ground beforehand and survey the ground afterwards. And I'll take a video of it beforehand and afterwards. And I'll put right any damage, any dentation in the ground whatsoever, we'll put right. Well and done. Been, and, and, what, and what did the council... And I've been talking to... Uh, I, I was actually talking to a contractor. And he said, Brendan, no problem. We'll do that with a heart and half. And I, I didn't ring him. He rang me. And what did the council say to that offer? No. No, at the time, I said, no, it's 60,000. No, it's 30. And I still brought it up in my last meeting last Friday with the officials. And they said, no, 30,000. And that's stand. No, they did say one thing, uh, Patricia. They said, I can also do that if I want. That'd be, I can also do that. That'd be a help too. But, but, well they, the but they still want. And do you know how they came up with the original figure of 60 that, that subsequently went to 30? Well, where, where does that figure come out of? Well, I thought it was out of the blue, but I sat down with the um, officials and I said, what, what did this figure come out? Well, it, they said it would cost, it cost 120000 apparently, to get done. I think they, my last meeting figures was the council put in 50000 of their own money. Uh, and he said, that justifies, I suppose, the 50000 yeah, it's it's Very just yeah, it's it's just that you know the fact that you you've clearly said if I do any damage and like the the damage limitation, I yeah. think what you've offered them is fantastic to pull some of your very popular rides because they may cause damage, yeah. and then for the other rides to say, look, I've got these, I've invested in these plastic mats, I'm doing everything possible to make sure that the the surface won't yeah. be damaged, and that's not good enough. No, but she didn't come back to the mats. I got I had to get fifty mats. At fifty, fifty pound each. I had to get them from England. Fifty pound each. Um, I had to get fifty of them because all our cables before was um, put on the ground in conduit, special conduit. Yeah. But no, because the surface being thermocadem, uh, we can't touch the. Yeah, you're you're doing it. everything so to protect. I've done everything, and I no. say that my rides are. Although we build our rides, Patricia, but we have to have security barriers around all our rides. So you're coming out eight feet also from the right, and the only one allowed inside in that circle is the um, the member staff that operates the ride and the, the kiddies, mm. you know? Mm. That brings that takes up all the ground. But now with the mats in place, though, I have to reschedule everything. All the year of where I used to put the rides, I have to have a look at that again. If, if, and please God. We do get you get the go ahead. Now, did, have you spoken to other funfair operators around the country, Brendan, mm-hmm. to ask, mm-hmm. is it common for other local authorities to ask funfairs for such a bond? Yeah, we had um, with a speaker down. He came the whole way down um, from Tremor, Chris Piper. Chris Norby, the, the vice president of the Showman's Guild. And in Chris's speech, he said, "Is it's it's heard of up and down the country not again that showmen have to begin the rise to have to get a bond." But he says, "Like the likes of the bond that they're looking for is outrageous." He says, "He said, you know, the most a bond would cost. No, it costs them eight hundred, you know. But even for the big, like you see, the likes of, um, say, for instance, the big operation that's in Cork at the moment. Yeah, 
you know, like them. They play a fraction. That could, like any big shoots like when they've been talking, but and they could come in with ten rides, fifteen rides. They said three thousand was the most. Nothing close to to Nothing to sixty. And any time like that, that we always they're always every time the shaman goes in the place, the place is less spotless the way it is before they go in, you know. And we're we're the exact same. We've been going in there since nineteen thirty nine. And actually what we used to do every year, Patricia, we'd grab it, we get thirteen hundred euro worth of gravel every year. We put up a rise, we put the gravel around it. Now this gravel was um three quarter round washed gravel. So what it is is the wrong if it, if the kitty gets excited and it chips or whatever, you know, that it won't cut their legs yeah, or knees, yeah, you know. Yeah. So we were doing that. We've done that all over the years. We always protected that ground. And that ground was always spotless. During our, our turbine side in park and during, and afterwards we leave that park you wouldn't you wouldn't get a butt. Yeah, but should, but but that's the reason that you're nearly there ninety years is is because you have the track record of looking yeah. after the area. If you had yeah. abused it in any way, you certainly wouldn't be there nearly ninety years later. No, no, Patricia, hundred percent. No, we take pride in what we do. Is do there any what? company you can go to to get the bond? That's the other thing. I tried, Patricia. I tried up and down the country, up and down the country. I tried, and. Um, People come back to me, one that came back to me at night, tell a nice fella, I'm talking at three o'clock one day, he came back in his own time at nine o'clock, he said, at night, Brian, he said, Brian here, he says, I can't, I tried everything, Brian, I sympathise with you, I know your case, I know where you are, Brian, I was down there six years ago with my wife and kids, he said, but you haven't got big rides, he says, he said, this is, I never, I'm in this business 40 years, Brendan. I never came across this. Yeah, and the, the more and it's, I said, I don't know. I it's don't know because it's so uncommon. That's the reason that you're that no company is willing to issue yeah. the bond. Yeah, for fun, for fun, for, for, uh. for that type of money, for fun. For if you're a builder, it's totally different because the building lads, as they tell you, they're they're doing they need. They're using bonds a lot of the time. Yeah, it's different. Well, it's different. Totally and, it's, different. and it's common in their trade. So and it's, e- it's, it's, common, e- it's yeah. easy to get it. It's formality for them, for the lads, you know. Because, the, because we never came across this. We, we last year, and I remember I spoke with you a couple of times last year about it when the council mm-hmm. looked for this very large red rent increase. That's right. Is, is there a feeling, Brendan, that somebody just doesn't want the fun fair in town? Oh, is this not, this is not a feeling. No, 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 this is 100%. 100% they don't want this. They, they, don't, they I don't know why, they, the showman's wagon in Sharky, and that was a condition. If I take out Patricia, that was a written condition. I had to take out the showman's wagon or the conceal, or the Sharky and conceal, as a condition. One of the conditions that you go into the power. I've done all that. I've taken the, the showman's wagon out. I've done all you know, everything. And then what happened? I applied to the park. I applied to the park last, I do it the year before the end of the year, last November. And then they said that this is a, a new year issue. So we got back to you in the new year, review this in the new year. And then new year, January, February, didn't come, March, I had to ring them, contacted them by one of the councillors and said, yes, you can go in. And that's and, when the uh, bond. This is, this is it. Give us sixty thousand yeah. euro bond. And I said, <laughs> "How am I going to get a bond? I, where did I start in first? Because I never heard of this. And with all the homework I'm have to do in context, I, I can't. Like Patricia, if it was a bond for, I don't know, I'd find if I even if it was for ten euro. You know, I'd find it hard for 
this particular bond for fun fair. It's not heard of. How is your dad reacting to what's unfolding, Brendan? My dad was actually um, just waiting for me. He's in the doctor's there. I brought him to the doctor. He, um, he's up for an operation. It took us holding him. Okay. My dad is old stock, which is my dad um, keeps things bottled up. I know. They don't, that's that age. He's 83. They don't show their emotions. And that's bottled. And yes, it got him. It got him. And, I, and they asked that question. I don't tell him no. I don't tell him half the things. I'm not, I didn't, I dropped him off there and I said, must go to the message about. If you're up before me, wait. I didn't even tell him about this. I know, I know, you don't. He yeah, he's got enough, God help him. God he does. Help. But and that's he, what he does. He, he's, but, it's, but he's doing it all his life. You know, it's... It's that generation. It's it's yeah. that generation. They're they're a very stoic bunch. Do you take comfort from the support that your your protest that you held last uh, Sunday? Oh, what turnout we have with a brilliant turnout and true consolians come out, come out, the locals come out. But only that, there was people from all over, from Bandon, from surrounding here. And I, you know, Patricia, I was talking to this lovely woman. She just came up to me. She was on her own. And she said, should we call her Marie? And she put out her hand. She said, you're Brendan. She said, I said, I'm here. Brendan, I've been following you on social media since, media since this all started. And I'm well in my 70s, she said. I'm after traveling um, an hour and a half to come down here to this protest. I've been following... I just thought to myself, and I couldn't rest today if I hadn't come down here and show my appearance and show my support. Isn't, isn't that, that, isn't that on lovely? Her, isn't on her own. And I said, hey, on your own, sir. And she says, I am, Brendan. And I looked for her after the protest. She walked around town, went to my day to protest, stood, and I was watching her. And she came back, and I, I tried to get her before she was gone. And she just did what she wanted, and she stepped off into her car well that will just show you the support that is well, there you know, uh, for you that put, Patricia that put far my belly again and you know and that's for the support only for the people or, only for the people I wouldn't be having this conversation I sh- and, and that's what Piper's Fun Fair is all about it's about the, team the people I have, Patricia the team I have behind me you know I'm real Helen Hickey she's the backbone of all this Mark Rain from the start, Councillor Sean Donovan. Councillor Sean Donovan brought this up at the very start. He started all this off. And they've been there since. You know, Alan, Alan Coleman, Alan came on top of with Sean then as well, and Alan's been there as well for his, you know. Okay, listen, we'll keep in contact with you. You have a lot of support. I can see people texting in uh, saying summer wouldn't be the same in Kinsale uh, without the Marys. We'll keep in contact with you, Brendan, uh, and we do appreciate you taking time out to talk well, to us I today. Well, I tell you one thing, Patricia, we get in, the town is going to have one great day, one Brilliant. great evening. Brilliant. Look after Patricia, yourself. thank you so much and good pleasure for taking our pleasure, um, our pleasure, program. and our best wishes to your dad as well. Listen, Brendan, thank you for that. Bye bye, God bless. That is uh, Brendan Piper of Piper's Fun Fair in Kinsale. Still getting in texts and commentary when I mentioned that I got targeted with those eFlow scam texts, and you know your mind starts going overboard, saying, "Are they tracking you?" Because I was on that particular toll road when and before I flew out, and was while I was on holidays, it wasn't a day went by. I think when I didn't get a, a scam text from them claiming I hadn't paid uh, my toll. Uh, Catherine says that she got a text saying from eFlow saying you were recorded using the motorway without paying the appropriate charges of €6.40 and then said you know it's to click on a link which was eFlow queries slash online 
www.cmsfinancial.com uh, or an additional fine of €97.50 will be sent to your home address. Now Catherine says I got this one on Saturday evening Patricia I don't drive on any of these tolled roads and if I did I'd have been a passenger in somebody else's car and the last time I did that was a number of years ago says uh, Catherine. Oh, it's, it's a complete and utter scam and actually what's a good indicator that it is a scam is the fact that it's .com because eFlow is .ie so they wouldn't be sending out any messages from a .com uh, address. Pat in Mallow is starting to question where all these eFlow scams are coming from. He says they've never dr- driven through that tolled road, the eFlow one, but he said after flying out from Cork Airport, he started to get those texts, text messages and he's wondering do they pick up on, on a flight or the fact that you're flying out of the country. He met another co- couple they were discussing it and they said that they had been targeted as well by these scammers and he's wondering are they targeting people going on holidays. I, I don't think so. I think it's just, it's more coincidence I think than anything else and remember these scammers when they send out these text messages they send them out to tens of thousands of mobile phone numbers on the chance that just a tiny percentage will click and that's all they need to do is to get a couple to click on the link and money to be taken out of those accounts for these guys and gals to have made their days wages out of these uh, scams and actually if you go on to eflow.ie if you go on to their own website they actually have a section now on their website about these fraudulent text messages because obviously they're getting contacted by so many people since these fraudulent texts started circulating about unpaid uh, tolls and they're obviously advising everyone just to ignore them and not to open any of the links but they do say on their website that eFlow will never ask customers to open any links to confirm payment detail and obviously if you've inadvertently which unfortunately some people have clicked on any of the links they're telling you to contact your bank immediately and if necessary get on to Angarda Siakona but eFlow's it's, it's another way of knowing that it is a scam text eflow will be eflow.ie not .com 0818103103 our lines are open anybody got advice from Mary in the Charleville area Mary texts this morning to say that she's going to the Bruce Springsteen concert on Sunday the 7th of May now she's been looking at trains and there doesn't seem to be any late trains departing Dublin after the concert at the weekend. She's wondering if Irish Rail are planning on laying laying on a late train as she's sure there would be demand for it. Now what she's now started to do is check buses but unfortunately all the buses coming out of Dublin heading to where Mary lives in the Charleville area are all booked uh, out. Well I'd suggest maybe pop an email off to Irish Rail uh, to see. I certainly haven't heard of any late trains. I mean they have in the past for certain concerts, I think they did it for Garth Brooks, didn't, didn't they? They do it for some concerts. They don't do it for all concerts. But maybe if you send an email off to them and ask, but is anybody else having problems getting to the Bruce Springsteen concert on Sunday the 7th of May? But then the problem is getting home afterwards. 0818 103 103. Mary Indrina was listening to my piece with Deputy Michael Collins uh, talking about how all of our diesel and petrol is going to go up Nothing to do with the situation in Ukraine, nothing to do with the price of a barrel of oil on the world market, all down to the government who are starting from the beginning of June to reintroduce 
the reduction that they gave us when petrol and diesel started going over to euro, they reduced the excise duty on both diesel and petrol. Now, they did, in their defence, say it wasn't going to be a permanent reduction, even though some people feel it should be a permanent reduction because we pay so much in this country. We pay some of the highest excise duties and tax on uh, energy than other countries do. And Mary Andrina is on about that. And before I get to Mary's point, uh, Michael says the cost of fuel in Tokyo is one euro and five cent for petrol. And if you want a litre of diesel and you live in Tokyo, it'll cost you 95 cent. God, it's a long time before you could get a litre of petrol or diesel under the one euro mark in this country. Michael is saying, how can the prices between the countries differ so much? Doesn't it go to show that it's our government increasing the levies. Yeah, absolutely. We pay so much in every litre of petrol and diesel and we buy so much of that goes back to the government. And every time, remember, there's an increase on the world market that gets passed on to us. The VAT goes up. So the government make even more money out of higher petrol and diesel prices because you pay VAT on the amount that you're charged as well. So, yes, that is the difference between uh, Tokyo and Ireland and a lot of other countries that don't pay as much on petrol and diesel. They're not taxed as much as we the Irish motorist uh, is. So Mary Indrina says she's starting to be very disappointed with the way the country is going with the amount of taxes and now hearing we'll be paying more for petrol and diesel. She's also questioning President Joe Biden's visit to Ireland and the money that was spent on that visit. I think I read last week, well, it, I don't know what the total cost of President Biden's visit to Ireland was, but I know the security costs for Angarda Siakona uh, was 50 million. I think I saw the figure that was mentioned. So I, th- I take it Mary is picking up on that figure. Could that not have been spent on housing and put into our health system? Mary feels the politicians are gone beyond a joke. She's losing all faith in the political system to the point that she's seriously now considering of not voting in any local or general election. She says, anyway, the way things are going and with the constant increases in petrol and diesel, people like her good self, Indrina, won't be able to afford to drive to the polling station to vote with all of the tax uh, increases is uh, certainly not happy uh, today. And actually, taxpayers, I saw a piece in the paper today that, I mean, the government have been doing what they can with the cost of living. I mean, one of them was the reduction of the excise uh, duty uh, for motorists, but there's been a cost of living package that the government, I think it was, what is it, 1.3 billion is what the government have given to try to help families with the cost of of living. And it seems now there's a divide, almost 50-50, Uh, overpaying higher taxes to fund the cost of living supports to those that are most in need. According to this survey, uh, two thirds of people say that the government's 1.3 billion cost of living package has overlooked middle income earners. So 49% of taxpayers suggested they would be willing to pay higher taxes for the government to continue to give the financial support to those most in need. But 51% say they wouldn't. They feel they're paying enough in taxation and they don't want to pay any more. This was a survey that was conducted by Taxback. The 1.3 billion cost of living package to help those struggling uh, the most with increased costs. We, of course, the government announced that um, uh, earlier um, in, in the last number of months and it includes things like there's the bonus payments that have been made to pensioners. There's uh, there's another one coming up at the end of this month to lone parents, to carers, uh, 
for disabled people and the, for other groups that are living on social welfare. And of course, if you've got a child, there's a one-off bonus on the monthly children's uh, allowance. And it also includes help uh, for people with electricity bills, with payments made directly to suppliers. That's to try to reduce uh, the costs. However, for those who are not receiving a social welfare payment, uh, also people who don't have children are people who don't drive a car. There was little if anything, in that 1.3 billion that was announced earlier this year. The government was also warned that it hasn't done enough for the middle income earners because the energy costs are spiralling out of control and food inflation. I mean, food inflation now is running at more than 13%. Uh, and Tax Pact Director Marion Ryan said that inflation has squeezed almost every household in the country. Low income families are certainly struggling, but so too are many of those who are Cross the threshold of middle income earners and questions have been raised as to whether that cohort needs greater financial assistance. And, and certainly I would, whenever we've been mentioning on this programme, various cost of living packages and, you know, if pensioners were going to be getting extra money or lone parents or if it was going to disabled groups or people on medical cards or whatever, we inevitably would get texts in from people to say, you know, in our family, we get absolutely nothing out of this cost of living package. And, you know, Marion Ryan of Taxpack is right. Everybody is feeling the pinch with the cost of living. And it does seem unfair that that sort of that middle Ireland, as a a lot of people uh, talk about, that they seem to get nothing out of it at all. So I'm interested in your thoughts on that. Would you agree that middle income earners need to give more support for those who are on low uh, low income and by doing that the government will continue to focus all its help on people on social welfare or people on low incomes or should middle income earners also uh, be given some kind of help because a lot of those middle income earners are people who are paying very very high mortgages and if they don't have a mortgage remember there's people middle income earners who can't afford and some except will never be able to afford uh, to buy a house. They're paying really, really high rents and they're not getting a lot of help back from the government. And, you know, they're continuing to pay very high taxes, paying a high mortgage, paying high rent. And that's on top of everything else has gone up. They'll be the same people who will pay the extra for the diesel and the petrol. And they'll be the same people who are paying the more on the food inflation. You know, and all of this is happening at a time when the government really does seem to be a wash with money. The government they're likely to project a large surplus for this year. Sources are already suggesting that the government surplus this year could be as high as 8 billion euro. The stability programme update so that's the key economic document which is required under EU rules. That's due to be briefed to the ministers at the cabinet meeting today and after that then it'll be published by the Minister for Finance Michael McGrath and the Public Expenditure Minister Pascal Donoghue but it is expected to predict a very healthy budgetary surplus for the year and that's based on an increase in revenues everything from corporation tax everything from income tax and don't forget VAT we seem to pay VAT on everything now the corporation uh, tax revenue that is continuing to flow into the uh, exchequer for the first three months of this year there has been a 70% increase in the figures that's when you compare it to the same 
Uh, that's when you compare it to the first three quarters of last year, up 70%. Uh, the receipts under this heading for corporation tax was £3.2 billion between January and March. It was £1.9 billion last year. There's also been increases into the Exchequer from that. And there's also been increases from income tax because, of course, we have more people than ever out at uh, work. That's a further 1.5 billion on the first three months of this year. So in all, the first quarter tax receipts are up 14.6% year on year. Michael McGrath says he expects corporation tax this year will exceed the record figure last year. Now the record figure last year for corporation tax was 22.6 billion and he himself says that the continued high take are truly exceptional. Nobody knows when it's going to dry up but as long as it's coming into the Exchequer uh, it's certainly fantastic uh, news. And this report that's out today is expected to state that the economic impact impact of the conflict of Ukraine remains a factor but it'll also point to a very steadying of energy and commodity prices and it means that there should be a slowdown in terms of inflation and all of us want to see a slowdown in inflation. So the government yet again awash with uh, money and you know and I did mention that when I was speaking with uh, Michael Collins I think that's what infuriates me the most about putting back up the excise on diesel and petrol. They're not doing it at a time when they can come back to the people of Ireland and say, look, we really need the money at the moment because certainly looking at those exchequer returns, they don't. 0818103103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text your WhatsApp to 0862103103. C103 Jobs. Dairy Gold Co-op uh, stores Firm Mount in Cork are recruiting retail store manager with the knowledge of agri CVs please to careers dg at dairygold.ie Ward personnel have vacancies for all types of carpenters for work through Cork City and County call 021 233 9120 Full and part-time delivery drivers are wanted in the Skibbereen area 086 8598095 and Carney's coaches in Mallow they're looking for HGV or diesel mechanics for immediate start duties will include maintenance and repairs of CVRT testing for their coaches apply to uh, Carney's coaches on 0222-22467 you'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. Now, a well-known Cork food store has become yet another business to be faced with a huge electricity bill. And for many, these bills are starting to make it impossible for small to medium businesses to continue on operating. To share the story of Fitzpatrick's food store in Glantan, I'm joined by the manager, uh, Kerry O'Neill. Good morning to you, Kerry. Good morning, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well and and, uh, thank you for taking our call today. I suppose, firstly, just to set the scene, you're the the fourth generation of the family uh, to run uh, the business. For those just outside the area, just describe your store and how many people you currently employ. Okay, well, um, our store is a, a food store. Um, we are an independent family business, so we're not part of any symbol group. 
Um, I employ at the moment approximately 75 staff. That includes full-time and part-time. Yeah. So we actually knocked a building next door to us in January 2020, just before COVID hit. Um, It was a bar and... uh, we knock that to extend our building. So basically, during the pandemic, um, as well as dealing with all of that, we also moved into a building two and a half times the size of our previous shop. So as you can imagine, there's been a lot of uh, things uh, thrown our way in the last couple of years since goodness we started that. Goodness me, goodness me. So yeah. this bill arrived almost €25,000. Is that, is, that is that a two-monthly bill? That's a two-month bill, yes. How does it compare to the same time last year? So I had pulled out last year's bill to check and our bill last year was 14,400. So it's almost it's it's just over 10,000 more. And the very interesting thing is because we've been really these bills started for us at the end of last year, but since January we had had an energy consultant in and we were really looking at how we were operating and he made a lot of really valuable small suggestions and um, we've actually reduced our consumption by 16%. So as you can imagine, we've worked really hard to reduce the consumption 16% and we're still paying 10,000 more than we were last year. It's, it's, it's just soul destroying. And, and I'm assuming that bill is on top of the, the one from the two months previously was up. Yeah, so the first bill for us that started high, we received last September. So that one came in at just under 30,000. It was 29 um 500 and um approximately and so we we've had a couple of those bills which obviously weren't there was no support in place at that time so like all that bill had to be paid for in its entirety um and there was another one obviously and actually our bill that came in then in December um they were very late sending it to us and so they actually what they ended up doing because it was so late and we were supposed to pay it by direct debit and then I didn't have that to pay the whole thing in December and they couldn't set up you know a payment plan they rolled it forward till January so I got essentially kind of like a four month bill in in January so um, I definitely should have put up a shot of that because that one was about 56 and a half oh, thousand God. yeah but obviously it was two bills together I know I know so but, but, I, you know. but you have to come up with the money to pay for it Yes, absolutely. And look, to be honest with you, in January, um, I had, well, we had applied for the government scheme um, because that was some element of support. Um, and we also, I, I put a payment plan in place with our providers so that we could pay it over eight weeks. But I mean, even paying that over eight weeks, it's still the bones of €3,000 a week going out. Um, so it's not a small thing. Um, and I think, you know what, there was a lot, obviously, of talk about electricity kind of towards the end of last year because the the prices really jumped in August, September, October. They, I mean, some of the rates went up to 70 and 80 cent a unit. So there was a lot of chatter around it. But that kind of has died down a bit. And I think at the end of last year, a lot of businesses were faced with just, you know, maybe two bills that they had to contend with. Um, so the effect wasn't there as much. But now we've started a new year. And I suppose this is the, I mean, the January one I expected. So again we were hoping things would be coming down considerably because I mean I've ho- I've heard wholesale price they're coming down yeah. um, but I just don't see enough being passed on so like for example I'm locked into a contract now which you know obviously we're looking now all the time at whether we should break that and go to someone else but until it comes to a certain rate it doesn't make sense for us to do that um, 
but I think there's a lot of businesses that are feeling this now. And, you know, I, I had some lovely, lovely messages the other day. And like one of the businesses was a catering business actually not too far away from me. And they had said like that they think they'll just about survive the summer and then they'll be gone. Ah, so like when businesses are knowing that now and it's, you yeah. know, April of this year, the first quarter is nearly is over. You know, um, it's it's a real red flag to kind of you know, I think people should be sitting up and looking. And, and part of the reason I, I really only put up this bill, can I say, Patricia, last week, because I suppose it came in and the printed bill came in two days before it needs to be paid. So I was a little bit kind of, oh, my good God, and, you know, we need to sort out the payment for this and all of that. And, and I just put it up to kind of say to customers, look, this is what's going on. And just so people see this, because it's very hard for people when they come in, particularly for us, we, we make a lot in store and we bake a lot. So we have a really big bakery. We do all like celebration cakes. And some people are looking obviously at what looks like the same cake. And it is. And it's the same buttercream finish and all of that. Um, so they're they're looking at the same products they've been buying. Um, but, but what they don't see, I suppose, is what's going on in the background. And these costs that businesses are trying to, um, you know, manage and, 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 and deal with are... Uh, hiking things up all the time so between that and you know we've had increases in our um, rates on our loan we've had increases in our council rates obviously labour we've increased for our team you know all those things everything is going up everything but everything. there's only it carry so much I take it you can pass on to customers there's what's the law of diminishing returns if you go yeah. too high yeah. customers won't be able to buy that, and that's exactly it. So, and and that therein lies the the big challenge for us. So, like, for example, like realistically speaking, we've seen one or two prices of things drop back, which is great. Um, but the bulk of the food ingredients are still rising. So, I had mentioned recently, like we got an increase in mayonnaise two weeks ago, twenty eight percent for a bucket. Uh, and you'd go to a lot of mayonnaise. Oh yeah, like we we use probably the bones of you know four or five hundred liters a week here of mayonnaise. Twenty. Um, Eight percent, and that's just one item. And that's one item. And like even things like cream cheese has gone up fifteen percent. And again, we're we're trying to shop around, but obviously our suppliers, like our cash and carries and things, they're they're having price increases from their end. So it's like a bit of a vicious circle then, because all that's happening is they get an increase which they have to pass on to us, that we then have to try and pass on in some form. And like. Some of it, like we're actually looking at we may need to discontinue certain products because we don't feel like we can put the price any further because we don't think it will sell. You yeah, know? so you just have to dis- discontinue it. Mm. Um, I'm interested to hear you say you, you've reduced your energy use by 16%. Yes. How, how have you managed to do that? That's, that's a huge drop. Yeah, well, um, I, I I think my team might think I'm a little bit crazy going around here since the end of last year because I'm I'm so conscious of lights on now. I mean, our building is brand new, right? Um, so as you can imagine, everything here is LED lighting. It's energy efficient. Uh, about 85% of my equipment is all brand new. So they're all recent. So they're all good on energy use. But we did things like, um, I mean, I physically removed 20% of the light fittings in the ceiling in my shop okay. um, again making sure that 
people could still, you know, they visually can see everything yeah, and it's still yeah, bright yeah. enough. You can't have them going around with torches. <laughs> we can't yeah. have them going around in the dark. Yeah, yeah. But, um, and the other thing that I think made a big impact, like our, our, our bakery team and our kitchen team, just making people more mindful and more aware. Because I know, obviously, people have this going on in their own homes. Um, but it, it's trying to, ch- to make sure that they're as mindful in a workplace as they are at home. So, like, how we're using ovens, you know, that they're filled as much as possible and not left empty that they're, they're turned off when production is done, that fans are off when production is done. All our fridges and freezers we've reviewed to see, okay, can we you know, change it even one degree? Because one degree, this energy consultant tells me, makes a difference. Um, and like we've, I, I'm even retrofitting doors on cabinets now next month, which will hopefully give us, I'm hoping to get it down 20% in total, um, well and that is going to cost money to put in, but, you you're, know, you're it's very, the long term. You're, you're very close with solar panels. Would they be an, an option? Yeah, so we did look at solar panels as well. And actually, I've been looking at them since last year and have gone out and got three quotes and, and the companies came down to look. Um, the, the big challenge for us is that even though our building is really big, um, because our building was um, only construction in 2020 there was a lot of building regulations and we have a huge amount of extraction fans and hoods for our ovens so one of my roofs is pretty much a little bit like a maze with all of these fans and things um, so I only have one roof space which will fit about 35 kilowatts now that's not massive for our usage but it's still something but to put those in right now um, would be 80,000 is, is, is there any grants? No grants. Um, I mean, I, I spoke to all the solar companies and no grants. I spoke to a local enterprise. And again, um, I was told there are certain things that might be available, but you have to be doing a number of things, which I can't do in this building. So just solar panels alone won't qualify. Um, but then I got a lovely email from a man up in Donegal um, yesterday who is another business owner and who said who pointed me in the direction of something because I'm a certain number of kilometers from the ocean okay. that I might qualify for a different grant towards solar panels um, so I'm looking into that well at the done. moment so well hopefully well you know, fingers crossed and, and, and one other thing Kerry I, I want to talk to you about because you mentioned that you applied for the temporary business energy yes. support uh, scheme there's been a low uptake on, on that was was, that a, was it a bit of a nightmare to apply for? Um, to be honest with you, I, I won't take full responsibility for that now because I have an office manager here um, who actually went through the process, but it was not easy. Uh. Um, it was quite a challenge to go through it. Now, once it was done, then it's easy because you're just uploading your bill and your previous bill and all of that. But I think the initial thing, it, it made it difficult for people. And I don't think that that was the intention, but that's the way it resulted. So I think the low uptake was because of that, um, because I think that's the other reason it was extended out a little bit longer. And um, I know a lot of businesses that didn't even go down the route of it. And again, look, it, it depended. I mean, everybody for me, that could, should apply because, I mean, 40% of the extra is nothing to, to kind of, you know, ignore, I suppose. And every little bit helps around things like this now at the moment. Yeah, but the government needs to be stepping up to do more for, for oh, small 100%. and medium businesses. They really do. They really and do. I do. Yeah, I think a lot of the bodies as well, like the like for us, for example, Orgy Data would, re- would you know, obviously they would be, um, you know, kind of showing the face of retailers and, you know, the Hotel Federations, the Vintners Federations, all of those business bodies, I feel, 
need to rally here and step up and get these wholesale prices, um, you know, given out to businesses and, and, and people's individual homes as well for what's going on right now. Because I, the foresight here is that if they don't help businesses right now, businesses are closing. And that means more people out of work and then they're trying to support people that don't have jobs. So this is something that they need to be thinking about the long term consequence of this. Yeah, and I think it's just so frustrating. We're seeing the wholesale energy prices uh, reducing and mm. the frustration that, it's, that the providers are not passing on those uh, reductions. Uh, listen, good luck with it, uh, Kerry. And I really appreciate you taking time out to talk to us today. Thank you for the call, Patricia. Thanks a million. Bye-bye. Bye. That is uh, Kerry O'Neill, the manager of Fitzpatrick's Food Store in uh, Glanton. Please support all those small and medium businesses because it, it's when they're gone and closed up shop that we will all bemoan their loss. 0818 103 103 and talking of support for businesses Michael in Skibbereen listens to me speak to Brendan Piper of Piper's Funfair and says Hi C103 my support is fully there for the Piper family and all in Kinsale I really hope the Funfair goes ahead this year and uh, so says a lot of other people but that particular text in from uh, Michael in uh, Skibbereen and then on the cost of fuel in this country versus other countries and I was talking about the amount we pay in tax on our petrol and diesel were one of the highest in the world. Somebody says, uh, Patricia, if you Google Ireland versus Germany tax and go to the image result, you'll see a very interesting comparison done by the Irish Times. People have it soft in this country, says this texter, and should be grateful they live in a socialist country and would want to can it with the moaning and the whining. OK, I will take a look. Obviously, you're, you're suge- I'm, you, you are suggesting on that particular text that Germany is higher than it is here in Ireland. But as somebody pointed out, look in Tokyo, how much less it is. And there are other European countries that do not tax people as much on petrol and uh, diesel. But thank you for your text. Email Patricia now with your story or comment. Cork today at c103.ie. When you talk to me. Cork today on C103. Cork artists have once again offered their talents and their kindness by donating work to this year's Incognito Art Sale in aid of the Jack and Jill Foundation. To remind us about the event, I'm joined by Lucinda Hall, who is the Incognito Art Curator. And also on the line is Peter Buckley, who is one of the Cork based artist to donate uh, his work and Peter is a watercolour artist. Uh, good morning to you both and thank you for joining us on the programme. Hello, good morning. Um, Lucinda, let, let me start with you now. I have to yeah. say I absolutely adore this fundraiser. I just love the good. mystery behind it all. So I suppose <laughs> explain to people how your art sale works. Okay, um, well what happens is, is that we're displaying at the moment um, 2,871 pictures, would you believe it, which are postcard size. Um, And they're all numbered on the website, but you don't know who's painted it yet. And so the idea is is that you choose the ones you like. Um, Sorry, before that, you've opened an account and you have opened something called a wish list, which is very clear on the website on the uh, website how you do it and then you choose the pictures that you like and you can have as many as you like on the west on the wish list um then on the 26th of, of april which is uh wednesday week um 
the computer turns away and blah, 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 blah. I don't know how it works, don't <laughs> ask me. Uh, he chooses, through an algorithm, he chooses who gets what picture, basically. And for each picture is 65 euro. And when you when you bought it and it's and the sale is over, you'll then know who's painted it. And it could be painted by somebody very famous or it could be painted by somebody, you know, not so famous. But the point of the whole thing is you bought it because you like it. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's what it's all about. And have you ever had any problems getting artists to donate their work? No, because artists are so wonderful. I mean, apart from anything, I don't know what Peter feels because he's quite well known, but... You know, it's a wonderful way of getting your, your your work shown if you're not, you know, if you haven't got yourself onto the ladder. You know, it's a great way of getting yourself displayed. Yeah, because I, I know it's, it's, this is about the seventh year, is it, Lucinda? Seventh year. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I know I spend hours scrolling down through all that, looking at all the pictures, yeah, all the paintings. Forever, it? Yeah, yeah it's, <laughs> it's fantastic. Um, um, uh, uh, let me bring in Peter Buckley, one of the artists. Yes. Have you taken part before, Peter? I have. I've taken part uh, over the last seven years, actually. Have you? So, it's a very, very cool <laughs> And how how did how did you first come across it? Um, I just think I heard about the uh, I heard about Jack and Jill seven years ago, and I just heard about the um, the concept of incognito. I thought it was quite unique. Uh, artists creating artwork, an original work that people could purchase, and then discover afterwards um, who the artist is. And so, were, you, um, were you given a brief for the the work that you've donated this year? Well, you weren't. You, you were just told to come up with um, an interesting idea. You, you donate three pieces, and what you do is you come up with an interesting concept for each one. Um, now, it's kind of a challenge, really, I suppose, to see what you can produce uh, in that size. You're not really given a brief, but you, you kind of work to your own devices and uh, send in, I suppose, what, what you think is best. And it's it's postcard sized. Is 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 that a good idea or a bad idea? Do you like working with postcard size? Well, it's a challenge because normally you work in the larger size. Yeah. I mean, I I work in A4 and larger, so I suppose trying to come up with a postcard size can be a challenge. But you know, it's it's an interesting challenge, and um, I'm happy to be involved. I mean, there's definitely something um, special about uh, donating donating an artwork. I mean, it's very personal. Uh, I'm sure for all artists. Um, it's like a personal type of donation uh, you're involved in uh, creating your time, your effort and thought and in, in, in essence you're giving something to yourself to the exhibition. It's terrific. And Lucinda, outside of obviously very talented uh, artists like Peter, you, mm-hmm. you also on previous years got celebrities to donate work. Are you we doing the did. same? Are you yep. doing the same this year? We are, absolutely. Um, and we have some fantastic celebrities uh, this year. We have, I mean, you, you, you've probably been told already who's competing, but I'll tell you who's here. It's Mary Black, um, Ronnie Wood, the, um, the, the rock star of many years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But and indeed a very good artist, and he has got a very. If he hadn't been a guitarist, he would have been an artist because he's ah. very good indeed. Um, we have Mark Healy from um, Westside, West yeah. Brian Kennedy, and we have two wonderful um, people called Paul and William Costello. And Paul is, of course, the dress designer, and his very talented son William, who is also a designer. 
Ah, uh, they'll be they yep. they'll be very very creative and and I know Wednesday. I know someone who's who's we've often had on the program here here the uh, Emma Quinn the singer the Eamon Quinn is yeah, doing it yeah. absolutely this is Eamon's first year is enough. it is it it's, I can't it's... imagine why I haven't nabbed her before but anyway <laughs> she's very good and which very good. which Linda of the uh, Lucinda of the artworks which are the most popular or are you able to tell. Well, funnily enough, you know these funny things called computers? They are amazing. They can, they can suss out the most amazing information. And funnily enough, we can see which type of picture is more popular. And it seems that the, um, any farm animals, like a cow or a pig or a hen, <laughs> people absolutely love. It's extraordinary. Um, but they're always the most popular in the, in the lot, in the lot. Um, yeah, I would say they were definitely, uh, they're definitely the most popular. I have yeah. to go to Peter. Have you a cow, a pig or a hen in any of your paintings? <laughs> well, a lot, a lot of my work is um, based on houses and buildings. Is that, yeah. <laughs> so I, no. I'd love to, I'd love to, I'd love to, no, well, I have a basset house here that's next to me helping me. <laughs> I haven't drawn him yet, but maybe I'll start doing that. And, and Peter, you're not allowed to tell us what has featured in your artwork because that will that will help us to try to find your paintings. You're not allowed. Yeah, I mean, it, it's uh, the whole concept of incognito is that it's hidden. So basically over the years, people have bought my pictures and uh, they don't know beforehand that they're buying my they pictures. They love your pictures, but, Peter. They love them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You've got... You, you all love them. Yeah. The, well, it's only afterwards they, they discover who it is. Yeah. And I've had people contact me afterwards and uh, Saying how much they appreciate it and uh, it's hanging in their, their homes. That's always nice to hear afterwards, you know. Yeah, and it's it's a good way, as as Lucinda says, for artists, uh, particularly up and coming ones, uh, not like yeah, yourself, you're well established for for up and coming artists to get their work out there. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I mean, it's definitely um, it's kind of a rising tide here. It's like a rising tide ripple effect. So, like we as artists are happy to share our work because you get exposure, people find out who you are. Uh, people are happy to buy the original artwork they like and then Jack and Jill benefit from the effort. So yeah. I guess everybody wins with this really, you know. It's um, a win-win, isn't it? Well, it's yeah, wonderful so, of you uh, to donate all the same. Not at all. I mean, a rising tide carries all both here, so happy to take part. Well said, well said. And of course, all the money raised going to the very special uh, little children uh, of the Jack and Jill Foundation, Lucinda, and uh, their families. Uh, the work that they do is incredible. Incredible. Throughout COVID, everything didn't face them. There they were, helping out the families, helping out the children. You know, it's just it's just marvellous what they do. Just just fantastic. You know, this is such a small such a small part that I do towards it, but it's just fantastic the result. And why Peter, why Jack and Jill? Why did it touch you so much seven years ago? Um I, I knew somebody locally, a local nurse who was uh, helping out a family. Uh, she was a night nurse here and uh, I heard, you know, the work that she did and the help that she gave to the family and I thought, you know what, that's a great thing to get involved in, and of course. I mean, uh, you know, it's when you hear the stories and the, the help that's, uh, that's given by, by local nurses and, you know, and helping families, you know, why wouldn't she be involved? I mean, well said, well said. And, yeah, and I always think whenever we speak about the Jack and Jill Foundation, uh, you know, the fact a lot of this work is unseen like that, the night nurse going in, a lot of these little children, you know, are so very unwell that their families, they're not out and about. So a lot of the work goes unnoticed almost. It does really, no. yeah. I mean, 
You're right. And I mean, it just helps the rest of the whole family life. You know, if you've got two other children who need to be taken to a football match or need to be, you know, looked after because, you know, sometimes they can get sidelined. So it's a wonderful, you know, that, 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 that knowing that the family can leave the child with the nurse and go out for a couple of hours or do whatever, and knowing that the child is being looked after back at home, and then they can concentrate on the other children. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, as, as we speak, there are 50 families uh, dotted across Cork City and County yep. that have been that are Jack and Jill families at the moment. It's it's just they're a wonderful organisation. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so listen, uh, people still have time to register. They certainly do. Okay. Um, they have right up until um, Wednesday the twenty sixth morning, um, and it's all on the website. And I promise you, I'm not a tech person, but it is very easy <laughs> it to, is, to, it is. to manoeuvre. Uh, yeah. I've, I've done it every year. It's fantastic. <laughs> uh, it's it's incognito.ie is the website. That's There's also so a Facebook page if people want to see. Yeah. We once again, I, I, I know it will sell out because it does every single year, uh, Lucinda, but well done to you because I know you put a lot of work into it. Well, and Peter, you. to you and the other, uh, particularly the 80 Cork artists, thank you for donating uh, your yeah. work. Yes. And, and, it was and a, I want to say thank you to them because I never meet them. Okay. And they're, <laughs> and, but they're just wonderful. Thank you. Okay. Uh, I just have one quote on behalf of the artist here. I mean, this is a tribute to Picasso. And he said, the meaning of life is to find your gift and the purpose of life is to give it away. I think I speak to all the artists when they they say we're happy to share our gifts. That really is lovely. Peter and Lucinda, thanks a million. Thank you. And thanks for Thank joining you. us. Thank Good morning to you. We spoke earlier about the eFlow scam texts that are doing the rounds at the moment and I can't get over the number of people who've contacted me. Uh, when I mentioned I was getting them last week while on holiday, everybody, there seems to be a, a spurge, spurge on them at the moment. Everybody seems to be getting them, so just be careful. They are scams uh, just to delete them. But we're always encouraging people if they do get a scam text or a call and it's a new one, it's one that you haven't come across before to let us know so that we can give it a shout out and let other listeners know so that other people can be aware. Audrey says that she got recently got two phone calls from someone t- purporting to be from AIB Bank and they wanted Audrey to take part in a survey. Now obviously she straight away got a bit suspicious uh, about it and felt that there was something wrong about it and could it be a scam. So what she did was she popped into her local AIB Bank and she asked them about it and they said no, they're not doing any kind of telephone scams. So just be careful because you can get scams over the phone or by email as well as by uh, text. Thank you for that. We were talking about petrol and diesel prices. Michael was in Kerry last Sunday in Duff, and he managed to get, I'm taking this is diesel, €1.54 per litre for diesel in uh, Duff. Yeah, it is going down. It certainly is going down. Actually, I got diesel yesterday. Um, first time since I when I came back from holidays and it was one five five at my local garage. So there is now a gap between diesel and petrol it's going the way it used to go where it had flipped at one stage and petrol was almost 10 cents cheaper than diesel at one stage but it's almost going the other way now but of course as what we were talking about this morning all of that is going to change because it we're going to go, it's all going to go back up again gradually because of the government introducing putting back the the reduced excise duties on petrol and diesel and they will start the reintroducing the higher prices from uh, June and they'll do it over three increases. So all we can hope for is that the price on the world market continues to fall 
and therefore we mightn't feel so much of the increases. 0818103103 Thank you for your text at Michael Bill in Clonakilty says why is no politician talking about the abolition of the universal social charge the, the USE that most people absolutely hate paying Bill says it was introduced at a time when the country needed it the most and we were told at the time it would be a temporary um, charge introduced but it has remained in place. Bill says can't understand it particularly when I was talk- calling out about how well the Exchequer is doing with the suggestion that this year's surplus could be as high as 8 billion. Surely this is the time to be looking at the USE uh, charge. It, we're already paying high income tax. Should should there not be more calls for abolition of the USE? Tom in Rathcormick says that we should have protests similar to what we did when when the water charges were introduced in this uh, country and people power at that stage got the government to change their minds. Surely, says Tom, we should be all out protesting, particularly about the high cost of uh, petrol and diesel and the additional charges that we pay for petrol and diesel in this country. And then Norma was on when we're talking about the rising cost of inflation and everything is going up. And I think is it food inflation is still running at about 13%. And I'm waiting for the day that things start to come down in price. I certainly haven't noticed any standout item for me that has come down in price. But Norma says that dairy gold have dropped milk prices for the farmers by 20%. But she says that that's not showing up in the shops uh, for their products. The farmer is receiving less. So surely that should be. And milk and all of the dairy products certainly have really, really uh, gone up uh, since the cost of living started to uh, shoot up. And then Jim says, hi Patricia, I I got a moment of delight. I got a letter from my UK pension to say I was getting an increase of £15 a week starting on the 15th of April. Happy days for Jim. But then he says my happiness was squashed. Uh, a few more letters started to arrive in the post. One from Leia. Health insurance, an increase of €20 Euro a month on my health insurance. Also, my air broadband has gone up. I'll be paying an extra 8%. As for the gas bill, well, that's doubled in price since last year. I can't, to be honest, cut back anymore. We stopped using the gas heating. We're only using it now to heat the water. I used to shower every day. It's now gone down to once a week. We are heating. We use a solid fuel stove, but we're only only heating the one room, the sitting room. The bedrooms at times can be ice cold. We warm the bed with an electric blanket. And these are cutbacks we've made in the last uh, two years. This got to the stage where I'd need to start an argument to get my temperature to uh, rise. Yeah, and there's so many people saying that, that they're doing everything, that they are trying their best. I mean, even listening to poor old Kerry uh, O'Neill talking about her business, her food store business in Glanthorne, you know, and talking about an extra €10,000 on her to her electricity bill for the last two months compared to what she paid for the same period last year and yet she's cut down her electricity use by 16%. Could you imagine if she hadn't cut down her electricity use by 16% how high that bill would have been? And there's a lot of people like Jim are saying the same thing that they're you know cutting back, we're all watching making sure that the lights aren't on in rooms, people are very careful you know about how long you're having an electric shower I'd say the immersion is never switched on in anybody's house, that was always a bone of uh, contention and people are still 
doing their best and yet the electricity bills are coming in and even though if you have a smart meter you can see that your energy use is down yet the bill is higher than it ever was and of course the current bills that are landing now thankfully has the 200 euro energy credit given by the government but it's going to be the bill in the next two months that I think we're really going to start to hear complaints about from listeners because that's going to be the first bill where we won't have the 200 euro energy credit from the the government. I mean all we can be hopeful for is that we're into months where the weather will be nice and that we won't need and with the brighter evenings and we won't need to have as many lights on or the heating on uh, etc. 0818 Somebody's asking about the next cost of living payment that's been given to pensioners. It's at the end of the month. It's the week of the 24th of April. So it's from next week whenever you get your payment starting next week whatever day you pick up your pension or it gets paid into your bank account you'll get that 200 euro those that are eligible for uh, that one uh, Helen in Bandon morning Patricia it is the this was this is um reacting to me talking about a survey that's out that shows there's a 50-50 split when it comes to the funding of the cost of living supports. Uh, 49% of people feel that uh, people should pay more in their taxes to help those who are unemployed, people on social welfare, people on low income. But 51% say no, enough is enough. Middle Ireland have paid enough, particularly the middle income earners that they're already struggling and why should they pay more? So Helen says, morning Patricia, it is the high and the very high high income earners who really are the ones that need to contribute more. Every successive budget budget that has been given in our country for decades has, without exception, looked after the high earners proportionately better than the middle earners. The wealthiest have a respect given to them that the middle income earners haven't and it goes on from year to year. It is well and it's very well known but we are given to believe that this is the way a country whose government is leaning to the right all the time operate. Many in key positions in government are right of centre and they look after their own class. This is it. The squeezed middle are supposed to put up with it. Such a percentage of the taxpaying population feel powerless. What will it take to have fair play given to the middle income earners? Don't let it go to a revolt. And I think that's very much showing what that survey from Taxback are saying, that there are a proportion who just feel, you know, we're given enough, we can't give any more. And then on the price of fuel. Hi, Patricia, the price of fuel, is it time now to have some sort of a rebellion or indeed an all out strike? Everyone must now do something to stop all of these price hikes. An all out strike now for everyone. It's the only way this it's the only way that this government will listen. They've simply gone too far. Things need to change. A lot of people think that us living on social welfare get too much money. But I can assure you, Patricia, that the money I get is nowhere near helping me and my family to simply survive. I did have a car. I had a car up to last November, but I ended up having to sell my car in order to pay off bills that were accumulating. This is an awful way for us to live our lives. I do blame the government. There needs to be a big change now. And that's just signed a North Cork listener who says it's not the fault of the Ukrainian war. 
this uh, listener is pointing the finger of blame at our current government. 0818-103-103. And then on a couple of different uh, issues, uh, Sean says, what will our legacy be to future generations with water quality going down the tubes? Sean is blaming the use of fertiliser on land by intensive farmers. Sean reckons that many of the intensive farmers are addicted to fertiliser the way some people are addicted to cocaine which I've never quite seen it uh, put like that but Sean reckons that needs to be looked at and then Martin wants to talk about outdoor dining and we've since COVID we've had a number of businesses now that have outdoor dining and obviously with the weather starting to get better more people like the idea of dining outside but Martin isn't too happy with outdoor dining he says this is particularly outdoor dining that's on the footpaths outside of a local cafe or restaurant. He's asking are pedestrians supposed to walk out onto a busy street where you've got cars, lorries, tractors and uh, bicycles all on those same roads. Those who have outdoor dining must take care must must not care too much for people walking. They only seem to care about their own business model. It's highly dangerous, Patricia, to have to walk out onto a street to avoid the outdoor dining when traffic is the only thing supposed to be on that road, especially in some of our busy towns. I think outdoor dining should be banned unless you have an outdoor dining at the back of your restaurant or cafe. Well, I think the rules are quite strict on that, that, you know, restaurants that do have outdoor dining, there has to be room for pedestrians to walk by. I mean, a lot of the parklets, as they were called, that were put in place to help businesses during COVID times, they're actually out on the road. They take up a number of car park spaces, which I know some people object to. But people just putting tables and chairs they have to have permission from the council in order to do that but they're not allowed to block up the whole footpath uh, Martin so if you're suggesting that you know of businesses that are doing that you should go in and have a chat with them to say that they ha- they are by law supposed to allow room for pedestrians to walk by you shouldn't be forced out onto a b- very busy road 0818 103 John Paul's taking your calls you can text you can WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council, where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at corkcoco.ie. The next meeting to progress the Donnerell Community Plan is taking place tonight at 7 o'clock and they will meet in the Presentation Pastoral Centre. Tonight, Annam Cara will hold their West Cork meeting in the Mill Court in Bandon at a quarter past seven. All bereaved parents are welcomed, regardless of the age of your child or the circumstances of the death of your child. If you'd like more information, you can contact Annam Cara on 085 28888. Mallow Athletic Club are beginning their Couch to 5K. Uh, training is every Tuesday and Thursday evenings at 7pm and then Saturday mornings at 10am. You register by emailing malloathleticclub at gmail.com. The cost is €50 Euro, and that includes membership and a T-shirt. Bingo in Shambhali Moor Community Centre. That's on tonight at 8. They've got a jackpot of €1,400. Everyone is welcome. And Canturk Tidy Towns, they meet every Tuesday evening at 5 to 7 in the town park. Want to go along and help them with their Tidy Tuesday. All are very welcome. 
Cork Today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. Deliveroo presents Decision Time. Delicious dishes, amazing offers. How will you choose? Let dreamy noodles slip and slurp into your thoughts. But you hear pizza's cheesy strings playing on your mind. Oh, now you're caught between two buns. You have burgers on the brain. You want everything. But what's it going to be? Check our offers from your favorite local restaurants in our app now. Deliveroo. Food. We get it. Available at selected restaurants. Fees, T's and C's and geographical restrictions apply. Nurses, are you looking for a new opportunity? Mercy University Hospital is holding nurse recruitment open days on April 21st and 22nd. Come meet the team and discuss the variety of full and part-time roles on offer. That's the Mercy University Hospital's nurse recruitment open days, April 21st and 22nd. For more info, see muh.ie. We all know a great night's sleep is vital for our well-being. We spend one-third of our lives in bed, so a good mattress is crucial. Swan Beds recommends for a better night's sleep, replacing your mattress every eight years. A better sleep means a better you. Replace every eight at Swan Beds, Cork's only exclusive bed store, because your sleep is important to us. Shh, it's a Swan Bed. When it comes to dating, you've tried everything. Speed dating, blind dating, even being set up by your mum dating. We think you should try online dating with c103dating.ie. We promise there's no swiping left or right or bumbling about. Just good old-fashioned meeting and greeting and sweeping off the feeding. Take the next step and sign up today for free at c103dating.ie. Email Patricia now with your story or comment. Cork today at c103.ie. Today on C103. And I meant to give a shout out and a mention about the World Transplant Games. They are on in New Zealand or Australia. They're on in New Zealand. Uh, Australia, sorry, they're on in Australia at the moment. And we've got a number of Cork uh, organ donor uh, recipients who are taking part and who made it onto the national team. And I was thrilled to see that Irish transplant golfers put in an outstanding performance in Perth over the weekend of the World Transplant Games. Uh, games and they won gold and silver, the top two positions in golf uh, pairs uh, with two more just missing out on the bronze uh, medal. But there's a cork duo in the middle of it. Uh, Pat O'Sullivan is from Mallow and newcomer to the Irish team is Hugh Nolan who is from Donnerail and they got the gold medal with their gross score of 65 and what was a a very demanding par 70 Wembley golf course. So well done to Pat and to Hugh on picking up gold medals at the World Transplant Games and the overall team, I'm told, are doing really well at the transplant uh, games. So uh, well done to each and every one of them. Okay, some of your other calls in. Sheila says diesel in Newmarket is at 157 this morning. Yeah, diesel has certainly dropped in price, dropped more than petrol certainly has uh, dropped. Uh, John in Cove is hearing people when I'm reading out some people's texts about looking for a rebellion uh, and particularly people who are against the current government and feel the government aren't looking after everyone. John feels it is the grey vote that is keeping the same TDs in all the time. It's known that old age pensioners are the ones that go out and vote and they are the ones that are keeping the same people in power. Many of those in the grey vote, says John, who are the ones that will be receiving the extra €200 next uh, week. That money shouldn't be going to 
old age pensioners. It should be distributed to young families and not to older people. Was that considered at all? Says John in Cove. And someone else is talking about that next cost of living lump sum payment that a certain proportion of uh, people are getting next week. This listener says, I'm, a ha- I'm on a half carer and on a full pension. Do I get both the payments or will I just get the one? While I'm thinking about it, even just to get one of these payments, I would be happy with. It would be very welcome. Thanks for any advice and welcome back after your holiday. Um, I Well, all I would say to you is it, it's certainly pensioners are getting it. I know carers are on it as well. Uh, what happened the last time they paid out these bonus payments? Did you get it for both? I don't know if you get it for both or will you just get the 200 euro that you would be entitled to on your pension? But if certainly you got it on the half carers the last time, then I assume you will be getting it uh, again. But it gets paid out next week. And somebody else is pointing out that the price of milk to farmers has been dropping every month. Has it? I wasn't aware of that because if it has been dropping, the farmers are getting less. But certainly that's not been reflected in what we are paying when we go into the supermarkets because milk is... 100% one of the items along with all of the dairy products I mean I'm a big cheese eater and I've certainly noticed the price of cheese but milk slowly slowly has been increasing all the time has anybody seen a reduction in milk at the supermarket in particular it's people who keep a close eye maybe if if you're the type of person who buys maybe you're living on your own and you just go in and buy one or two litres they're usually the people that know exactly the price of a litre of milk but has anybody noticed the price of it decreasing because somebody, a number of people now are saying that farmers get uh, less. And I spoke earlier about when we were speaking with Michael Collins about how we know the price of petrol and diesel is going to increase in the coming months because they're putting back up the excise uh, duties. Well, if the Minister for Transport has his way, we're going to be paying more just to even sit in our cars because this morning the Minister for Transport, Eamon Ryan, is... Bring, is looking for approval from the government to develop a plan to it's aimed at reducing traffic congestion in towns and in cities and it's part of something called the National Demand Management Strategy and they're looking to examine ways to reallocate more road space for people walking and cycling and obviously this is all to do with efforts to improve air quality so you can imagine a Green Party uh, minister would certainly be looking for anything that would improve air quality and the strategy is a key part of the government's climate action uh, plan. Now, it will involve widespread public consultation. It's expected to look, for example, at the possibility of having more car-free zones. So you would have cities and towns which literally would be pedestrianised and you wouldn't be able to take your car in that and it will mean probably have to drive further then to get from A to B if a section is no longer, you're no longer able to drive it. But they're also... um, looking at introducing charges for driving in certain areas. We're back again to this one of the congestion charge that we know operates in many cities. I mean, anyone that's been to London or anyone who's got relatives living in London will know they successfully introduced congestion charges in London and it did drop the number of people commuting in and out of the city because it literally got too expensive. But there's been a lot of people saying congestion charges in this this, uh, country, unless we have a similar transport scheme like they have in a city like London. How is it going to work uh, here? Now, the strategy is likely to focus on what Eamon Ryan describes as the benefits of freeing up roads and public spaces for more people. He is set to emphasise to his cabinet colleagues that any changes would work best 
if there are public transport and active travel options nearby and that to me is going to be the sting in the tail and Eamon Ryan uh, will, will, is also saying that the public understanding will be critical if the plan uh, works so let's uh, wait and see what kind of public consultation is going to happen and as well as he said the plan will best work can I dare I say to the Minister the plan will only work if there's public transport and active travel options available 0818 103 103 John Paul's taking your calls you can text you can uh, WhatsApp to 0862 103 103 and just very quickly texts are, are coming in hot and heavy to me here Bridie says oh this is on the person who is unemployed at the moment and saying uh, when somebody is saying that we should be looking after Middle Ireland and not looking after people on social welfare because this person unemployed with a family barely surviving on social welfare. Uh, Bridie says Patricia nobody should be unemployed in this country. Every business seems to be looking for uh, staff and we are at near full employment. How can anybody still be unemployed? Uh, On milk prices hi Patricia €3.20 for three litres of milk I get it every uh, two weeks so that's €6.40 I'll be watering it down soon so definitely not seeing a decrease in the price of milk and another texter says Hi Patricia those social welfare bonuses that have been given out next week are ridiculous there are some very wealthy pensioners who will also be receiving those bonuses there are also a lot of wealthy parents who are getting the free GP care and they will be getting the free school books and also those wealthy parents, there's an extra bonus going for the children's allowance and that gets paid out universally to everybody. Why can't it be based on an individual basis? Workers really can't be expected to take the brunt for everything. That's a text to 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor, home, business, farm, life, and health insurance. CMIG.ie. You're listening to C103's Cork Today podcast. Phone and text lines are currently closed. As we say, a very good afternoon to Joe Heffernan, who runs a counselling practice in Boherbury. Good afternoon, Joe. Good afternoon, Patricia. And, Good to be talking to you. And great to be talking to you. And and and, and I'm thrilled that you've the topic you've picked for uh, today because you want to talk to us about uh, internet addiction. And what what we're talking about here is people who are addicted to being online or being on their smartphone or their smart devices. Yeah, I was astounded. Um, um, I I read an article and I think it was last Sunday's paper um, by Neil Horn quoting uh, Professor uh, Colin O'Gara um, that we would have heard of um, in uh, St. John of God's in Dublin. Um, and, you know, that internet use will, this is quoting him, will dominate addiction space in the future and become the single most important feature of addiction medicine. Internet addiction disorder develops when internet usage accelerates to the point that relationships, work and health suffer. It can cause personality changes, including anxiety, depression, sleep disruption and low self-esteem. I, I was astounded, you know, especially about that it will become the single most important feature of addiction medicine. Um, wow, like... Um, 
He says, I think that 10 years down the line, we're going to have a much better understanding of devices and portals to a, to, to a whole a host of addictive behaviours. Uh, yeah, and it's uh, and it's the younger generation that have really taken uh, to it. And of course, yeah. because the technology has all been so new over the last number of years, nobody knows. And that's what this that's what this professor is predicting the way it's going. Yeah, it's it's quite frightening, isn't it? It is very frightening. And um, we, we, we had a grandson now, uh, Ken's uh, child, Dylan, uh, home here last year. And um, he was here for I, I didn't, two or three weeks. And, um, you know, um, 90% of the time that I would come out to the kitchen, um, uh, Dylan would be on the sofa, um, uh, uh, glued into um, his um, uh, tablet or device. And um, now that I'm looking back on it, I'm kind of thinking, oh, gee, Maybe, maybe we, no, it, it wasn't, um, uh, it, I, I, looking back and reading all this stuff, which is scary, I, I think it might have been a bit excessive. No, he was out in the garden and yeah, saying, Yeah, but he, wa- he was on holidays as well and, and people use, you know, I, I, I was away last week and I certainly saw people on, uh, on the aeroplane, you know, shoving tablets in front of children to keep them quiet and people use, you can, you can use it as well, but it's just when it gets really, really excessive. But the one thing I noticed on holidays, because it drives me nuts and it's something I've been banging on about for the last couple of years is looking at people when you're out having a meal in a restaurant and yes. scanning around the restaurant and watching table after table after table of adults all sitting around, nobody speaking to each other and everybody with their head in their phone. And I feel like standing up in the restaurants and say, will you put down your phone and talk to each other? Yeah. And the the thing, uh, uh, a concern that I would have is that um I would speak with, um, you know, uh, uh, a few of um, uh, secondary school students, we'll say. In other words, age group um, uh, 13 to uh, 18, 17, 16. And um, uh, as we all know, um, it's been well um, documented that uh, there's a great um, increase in anxiety among young people. Yeah. Now, the thing is that I, I think what might be happening, in fact, I'm convinced of it, is that um, y- young people have um, lost the ability to converse and to, um, you know, to, to, to have a, a person-to-person social life, um, uh, that the, the social skills um, are... Uh, after being adversely affected um, by the 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 fact that um, uh, I suppose you could nearly say most of the um, uh, uh, conversations are online. Um, yeah, so they're they're losing the basic social skills that we all would have developed naturally ourselves by being out and about, communicating with other people, getting to know other people and getting into relationships with other people. We all had to do that face to face, whereas now yeah. a lot of that is done online. Absolutely. And um, while people um, might say that um, there has never been more 
um, access to communication. Unfortunately, it's not face-to-face, person-to-person communication. It's um, Instagram, uh, uh, etc., etc. Um, uh, and, and, and that's not good. Um, so that when uh, younger people are um, in, in, in situations where it's um, uh, actual people, um, like uh, groups, etc., I hear more and more um, about, we'll call it, social anxiety um, and, um, and maybe a sense of isolation because even though that we can communicate easily with someone at the other side of the world, um, maybe we're not communicating enough with people in our actual lives yeah. somebody, um, on a some, day-to-day basis. Somebody who's sitting across the table for you while you're, while you're out having a, a meal. And then a problem yeah. that is, it's, well, it does affect young people, but it can affect people of any ages, is people who get addicted to computer gaming and I remember late last year getting an getting an email in from a listener who was worried about her husband who she said was just spending all he wanted to do was be on this computer game that he was playing and every hour of every day that he was free and she felt that it was very much affecting their relationship and his relationship with their children because he was spending so much time online just playing what he saw was an innocent computer game. But he was obviously addicted to it. Yeah, and um, I mean, it has now become an accepted term. Um, uh, Like uh, figures from the uh, the National Drug um, Treatment Reporting System show that quite a few people have been treated now for what's been called problem gaming. Yeah, and a lot of young children, you know, parents, there'll be parents listening to us who will say that they battle to try to limit the amount of time their children spend on a particular game. And of course, the arguments that it causes within the household because the child just wants to spend uh, all day. And of course, then an issue that we have dealt with many times, you and I have spoke about it, uh, online gambling. It's so easy to get sucked into that world. Yeah, yeah. Well, all uh, you see... Whether it's um, whether it's porn or whether it's gambling or whether it's shopping online or um, you know whether it's following auctions on eBay um, or whatever, um, it's online, 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 and um, and and it can be really, really um, so detrimental. Like that listener that that contacted you. Um, Another couple of facts that came up in that interview were that um, people who uh, have been treated for what was being called problem gaming, all cases were male and almost half of patients were under 18. And for those 18 or older, uh, the, the, the average age was 31. Um, but uh, the numbers that have been treated for, um, uh, we'll call it on, online addiction, um, whatever gaming problem, whatever we want to call it, um, uh, he says, um, that's uh, Dr. O'Gara, Professor O'Gara, says that, um, that we're only seeing the tip of the iceberg. And that's so- probably... Uh, you know, I, I mean, I would accept that, that um, uh, because most people um, 
I, I don't think it's become a norm to kind of uh, to report uh, to one's GP or etc. Um, about a problem with uh, internet um, uh, usage or, um, or, or gaming. Yeah, um, uh, Michael says, Hi Patricia, I'm fascinated with Joe's topic today. As I see it in young people, they're constantly on their phones. They're not speaking to each other. They don't seem to be engaging with one another, even when they're all sitting together in a group. It's a very worrying trend. The lack of communication skills in young people is uh, scary. And that's exactly uh, the point that Joe has been making. Thank you for that text, uh, Michael. So we all need to question because you know I mean I think the internet is, as a tool is fantastic and obviously from a work point of view I use it quite a lot I oh, do yeah. I do every now and again get concerns with myself and I'm thinking am I spending too much time uh, on this This the need to you know always find out the correct information and you know could I just leave it do I really need to when I'm watching a TV programme need to Google and check that fact I probably don't so w- we need to ask ourselves we need to reflect ourselves on how much time we're spending online we do, and I suppose we we can, um, um, in fairness, um, uh, justify. Um, say, in your job, uh, you need to be on top of what's going on. Uh, you need to um, have your facts right, etc. Um, I do a fair bit of research myself, like the very research I'm talking about now. Um, although that didn't come from online, that was um, written page, but. Um, uh, yeah, we do need to kind of think about it. I got a thing on my phone now today, um, and it said something like, no, I, 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 I don't know it exactly, but for something like um, you used your phone, uh, such a thing, more than last week or yeah, something like tracks, that. Yeah, you, you get that weekly, it tells you. Yeah. Uh, if, and it, that can be quite, uh, and I remember being in company with one of my young nieces and I happened to mention that, I, I don't know, what was it, uh, 52 minutes a day or something. I'd been on my phone the previous week and she started laughing and she said, look, of, look at mine. And her average was eight hours a day. Oh, mother of She God, said, the right? phone, yeah, it's constantly on. It's just yeah. literally Well, funny enough that you said 52 minutes because I think the one that I got, was it yesterday or today, was uh, 51 minutes. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I was kind of astounded because I don't really consciously remember being on the phone that much. But then I tend to kind of in and out, in and out. I I might be following, it could be even um, the... the, the scores in a match. Yeah, um, but we also pick it up to check and see if there's a message on it. Like all of that is is added into the time spent on the phone, and we oh, all. And I love to hear that now. That, that, that's um, that's good for me to hear. It kind of relieves my conscience yeah. because, <laughs> in other words, like it. <laughs> It wasn't all just looking up this and looking up yeah, that and looking no, up the other thing. It's every time you interact um, all right. uh, with your okay. phone. <laughs> okay, I think um, because I think there's, there's so much in this we might come back to this uh, again next week just to talk about the characteristics of uh, internet addiction and, and and the effects. We'll, we'll come back on this uh, tomorrow yeah. but as you say, awareness is curative which it is. Listen, have a great week and we'll talk to you again next week, Joe. Thanks indeed. Mm. And we'll talk then about the characteristics of internet addiction. Like um, if a person is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight points and uh, 
it might get us all to think. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Listen, have yeah. a good week and stay off that phone. And uh, <laughs> thanks thanks for joining us. That is Joe Heffernan who runs a, a counselling practice in Bohibui. His number is 86 That's where I leave you for today. My thanks to John Paul for producing. Mark Malone in for Nick for the afternoon. We'll talk to you tomorrow at 10. And to then I'm Patricia Messenger. Very good afternoon. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie